You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. I'm excited to break open Psalms 46 with you today. And so one of the things, I I didn't plan to be on base today. There was a whole myriad of things that took place. Uh, But I was up there and I felt like it was only fitting as I'm thinking about this that we're talking about worship and we're talking about the song of the Lord. And so today, I want to share with you a little bit about Psalms 46. Now, we know that most of the Psalms were written by King David, but there are some that were written by different people. This is one of them. This is written by the sons of Korah, which is, they were choir directors. So I want to paint a picture for you today, because I don't know about you, sometimes we read the Bible, we really don't have context. Say context. It's everything. And so this, these are the sons of Korah. Korah was their father. He was a descendant of Levi, the son of Jacob. They were Levites, and if you know anything about Levites, the Levitical priests, they were the ones that were able to minister in the temple, in the tabernacle. They were also part of the Maverick City Choir because everybody's part of that choir. <laughs> At some point, you sing in the choir, so they were part of that as well. Um, but I want you to know that as a songwriter, any songwriters, any musicians, just raise your hand if you're a musician, songwriter, okay? Anybody like music, raise your hand there. Okay, I feel better about myself now. Then I want you, that's odd that that was very few hands in Nashville. We have the only group of people that don't write songs here. Okay, that's good. That's good because you're going to write a song today. You are going to be part of a songwriting camp here today at Southview. And this songwriting camp is an ancient camp, and a song was written very long time ago. And this song, Psalms 46, would have been sung, kind of like what we sang here today, King of, King of My Heart, any of those jams, Waymaker, anything that you're like, man, that's my jam. This would have been one of those songs in rotation. So they would have came up and sang this song. And I want to break it down for you a little bit because what I know about songwriting is, is that the best way to write a song is to take people on a journey. And that's why country music is so popular because country music does a great job. I'm not a huge country music fan. I know that's weird. Wow, me and me and Ginny. But the, the reality is, is that they do a great job of painting pictures. That's why people still like country music. The reality is, is when you write a good song, you should paint a picture for someone. Now, many of the songs today are just recycled over and over again. The same words over and over again. Every so often you get a song that you listen to and you literally see what they're describing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, like, I remember back in the day, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I knew it always made people cry, cats in the cradle. Anybody know, like, your dad and you're weeping and stuff? Why? Because it painted a picture of your children growing up and all this kind of stuff. But I want you to know that every great song can be broken up into parts. And here, what we have here is this word Selah. Anybody have that in their Bible? It says Selah on the corner right, and that is very important. And I made an important step to pause because Selah would be a moment where you would pause and reflect. Now, whether it was a moment in a song where they would stop playing or they would stop singing or it would be in a little instrumental, maybe a sax solo from my father, he would just jump right. He would play whatever over that little pause there. But the reality is whatever it was, it was important to the song that we pause and reflect. So in that particular case, I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to take poetic licensing to share with you how this song may be structured, all right? Verses 1 through 3 would be essentially the first section before the Selah, and I would call that, say, verse 1. Say verse 1. Now, verse 1 talks about nature raging, and what I would entitle this verse 1 would be is that troubles exist. 
Can anybody relate to that? That's a good song that you can relate to it. You got to come right in on it. Like country music, you got to lose something. A dog, a pickup truck, a wife, a beer can, anything. But, but so, so take that. That's a bad analogy. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Ms. Wanda. Here we are in part one of this song, Trouble Exists, Psalms 46.1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Trouble is coming. Now, I want to take you on a journey. Some of you may say, well, of course it is. Some of you may actually believe that trouble shouldn't happen to you. (laughs) But it does. And it's natural. In fact, there is a natural evil that has been unleashed in the world. Did you know that before COVID-19, 2020, all of this stuff, There was, in 1918, an outbreak of something called the flu. Anybody remember the flu? Remember the flu? I like the flu now. I was like, come on back, flu. I mean, you weren't as bad as I thought, man. I never really got visited by the flu. Now I'm like, wow, we we gave you a bad rap, flu. But in in 1918, for 24 months, there was an influenza outbreak that 100 million people died globally. This is much greater than the covid this whole thing that we've went through. And in that particular thing, the age group that was most affected that most affected by it and died were 20s to 40-year-olds. And it actually started in pigs in Kansas. So here's the deal. This is what I want you to see in verse, the first part of this song. It says here, we will not fear though the earth gives way. There is natural issues. There are earthquakes. There are tsunamis. It says, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar roar and foam and mountains tremble at its swelling. Did you know that so many people, they look at these things and they think we're close to the end. That's actually not an indication that God is coming back. That is an indication that it's just the world doing what it's done from the beginning. So when you watch the news and you think all these things are happening in the world, this is normal, everyday life in a fallen world. Trouble is normal. We need not be surprised. Verse 2, section 2. This would be verses 4 through 7. And this is what I like to entitle Mankind Rages. We had the nature rages. That was the first verse of the song. The second verse, we're going to talk about man being bad dudes. And what I would say is, is what are your streams? What are your streams? Psalms 46.4 says, there is a river whose, what? Streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Now, the writer of this is not indicating a river that goes through the city of God, which we would say would be Jerusalem. There is no river that goes through Jerusalem. But there were streams that would irrigate and bring food, nourishment, I should say water, life to the city. But I want to break it down even further because I believe as great songwriters, you can have multiple layers to your lyrics. Did you know that? It can mean one thing to you and something to someone else. But I will say this. I did a little research on rivers and streams for you today. That's kind of just what I do for this church. I I did a little research. And what I found was is that rivers are made up of multiple streams. Streams come together called a confluence, and streams are much shallower than rivers. So let me say this to you today. What are the streams feeding the river that flows from your spirit? Because it says here that mankind will rage. It says nations rage. 
Kingdoms totter. They war against each other. This is natural. This is natural. It's been happening since the beginning. Do you know that if you lived in Israel for any length of time, you would realize nobody around you likes you. It's, I've been there. They're at war all the time. You imagine just being tense. Like everyone in Israel has gone through the army. That's just part of what you do. You graduate high school, you go to the army. And so when we were there, Miss Wanda and us and a crew, they're young people walking around with machine guns. I was like, wow, okay, here we go. Who, who are we at here? And this was normal. So a whole nation full of military people at any moment's notice know that there could be a war on the top, on the bottom, or the right-hand side because all of those nations hate them. So here we are. Mankind is raging. But the question is, is, what are the streams feeding the river that flows from you? What are the things that you're allowing to pour into what comes out of you? Whatever you feed on will come out of you. <laughs> Take that any way you like. Whatever you put in is going to come out. I want to say to you, you are a byproduct of the streams. Do you understand what I'm, I'm not talking about a waterway? I'm talking about the streams of things that are being thrown at you at any moment's notice. And those shallow streams will become a river of depth that will flow from you. I can tell someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit has been filled with the Word of God because there's rivers of gladness, rivers of joy, rivers of love. And I can tell people that have been filled with the news, with CNN, with Fox News, with all the diabolical updates and things on Instagram and Facebook because what comes out of them is fear, is trepidation, is anxiousness, is depression. Whatever feeds into you will come out of you. Do you know not only is there a normal, uh, a natural evil, but there's also a moral evil, evil. Did you know this? That the person sitting next to you is naturally inherently evil. Did you know that? Look them right in the eye and say, I'm watching you. They say, how could you say this? this is my beautiful wife? This is my daughter. There's nothing that they could ever do that's evil. Well, you know why I'm saying this? Because scripture says in Romans 3.10, it says, none are righteous, no, not one. Even Miss Sheila, the just beautiful little grandma Sheila, she's, I don't want to pick her up. I love Miss Sheila. She's a blessing to our family. But what I'm trying to say is, is that none of us are righteous. None of us are holy, absent of the Holy One in us. He makes us holy. So sometimes when we think like, we, we the bomb, you know, we the best music, we, the, we that guy. And really what we are is a sinful person that has been given the opportunity to host a holy God. So when we know that, we're not surprised when our presidents and our governors and our senators and our lawmakers do things that are contrary to the word of God. I'm not surprised, I am appalled, but I'm not surprised that there's a debate over abortion, that women think that that's their choice. I'm not surprised, but I am appalled. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many of us in the church are so surprised that these things are happening. Canada, surprise. Australia, we're surprised. 
per- no, it's the lust, it's the power, it's the greed. This is what happens when you give control to someone and something that does not have a holy, righteous, living God inside of them. It's the streams of living water. That's verse 2. Now we get to the chorus. The chorus is my favorite. Of course, everyone loves the chorus. Now, if you follow music right now, the bridge is the new chorus. How do I know? Because many of you love reckless love for the bridge. I'm kicking down walls and doors and Jesus, do it all. That's what I, as soon as that comes on, that's my jam. Back in the day, the chorus was the part where everybody got excited. How many times have you been in a worship experience where God actually, you pause, you sail out for a moment and actually listen to what God had to say about you? Many times we are just diarrhea of the mouth. And then by the time we, oh, it's done. And we've never waited for God to sing back to us. He's like, just give me the mic. I got something I want to share with you. I want to sing over you. Stop talking for a moment. Stop talking just for a second. And we never stop. So in this moment, built into this song, the songwriter writes God's response. Verse 10, this is what God's saying because it's in quotes. You see that in your Bible? Some translations don't have it, but this is what God's saying. You can even see by the way it's written. We're talking about him, and then all of a sudden it goes from be still and know that I, the one you've been singing about, be still and know that I am God. I will be a exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then there's this repetitive stands at the very end. It says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is literally in the room. He just talked to us. He just sang over us. He just confirmed that what we're going through, he's got it. He's going to take care of it. So what does it mean to be still and know? How many, don't put your hands up because it's all of us have a hard time resting. I'm not talking about sleeping because some of you could sleep on a dime. You'd be just like watching shows. You get to the first part of the show, you out. That's a dad gift. Did you know that? Sometimes moms have it too. That's a special gift. Let's watch this show, kids. You know, what was it about? I don't remember. The point is, I'm talking about sleeping. I'm talking about resting. We live in a culture now where rest is not what we celebrate. And I want to tell you, all you young people in this room, I know some of them are at camp right now, but all the ones that are here, you're being conditioned to be stimulated at all times. I I don't know if you know this, but now kids can watch multiple devices. I I start to do it too. You got one here with a show, one playing music, one you're working on, and then the other one you're texting back somebody else what you're doing. All this stimulation, we don't know how to rest. And so God is speaking and he says, be still. The Hebrew translation of be still is rafal, which means to sink. You ever get in one of those couches where you just sink or the bed? How about the bed? You just sink in. You relax. You sink down. You let drop. You drop it like it's hot. You refrain. Oh, boy. Let alone. Help me, Josh. Let alone and to be quiet. When's the last time you actually did that and not felt guilty about it? He partners be still and know, say no. That's yada, which means to perceive, to find out and to, I love that, to discern, to know by experience. Be still and know and acknowledge. He he would say this, chill out, relax, and know what I've done before, I'm going to do it again. That's how he would have said to you today. Stop doing all the things you're doing, relax, relax. And remember, 
and acknowledge that I'm God. Well, that's a word right there. How many of us can say we do that on a regular? I, I wish I could put my hand up. But there's reasons so many times why we don't. And the number one thing is many of us don't understand the sovereignty of God. How about maybe you never even heard the word sovereignty. I want to talk to you about the sovereignty of God. And if I could put it in translations of Mark Rampula, it's I'm God, you're not. Don't worry about it. I got this. Let me say it in a nicer way. It's God rules and reigns over the entire universe. He cannot be opposed. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is enthroned, and his throne is a symbol of his sovereignty. God's will is supreme, and it's his prerogative, not Bobby Brown. It's his prerogative what he does with his stuff. Now, this is where the lost people, the the people that are the agnostics, the atheists, this is where they get it all twisted because you've had this before. Well, if God really is in control, then why did he allow 2020? If there is a God in heaven, why do people suffer? Whatever that is, they don't understand the sovereignty of God because the closer you get to God, the more you appreciate his sovereignty. Let's talk. Ooh, excuse me. Let's talk about that. I'm getting so excited. I need a drink here. The sovereignty of God. Isaiah 46 verses 9 through 11. I am God and there is no one other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times to what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Whenever I hear it, I start getting this attitude. Like I'm from New Jersey and I'm a Puerto Rican. Hey, come on now. What have I said that I will bring about? What have I planned that I will do? Romans 9.20. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me like this? In order to be still, you have to first know. In order to be still, you have to know and trust the sovereignty of who God is. Number one, God is holy. Put these up here if you would. I want to show you these attributes of God. God is holy. God cannot be evil or do evil things. That's what scripture says. There's no evil in him. But then this is the one that gets everybody twisted. This is the one, right? God allows evil to exist. But he counters that with the last precept. God has given his children victory. So my question to you is, is God made more or less glorious because evil exists? We, we, we think we know the answer because it's more, of course, but do we really truly believe that? Because the world has a hard time understanding that there is a good loving God that would allow COVID or racism or abortion or all of these things to exist in our nation, in our world. But I look at it and said, God has been so gracious and sovereign that he has allowed humankind to have a choice, a free will, to be able to pick and choose, do they want to enter into sin or do they want to go after the Lord? And here's what I love about this. This is what scripture says. It says that he's given us the ability to overcome evil. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who, what? Love God, all things work together for good. 
for those that who are called according to his purpose. So what the psalmist would have been writing is all of these things are bad. All of these things are happening. Yes, there is evil in the world. And yes, there is a good God that is still in control. Did you know that God was in control in 2020 and 2021? Did you know that? Because in the beginning of 2020, in around March time, I wasn't very sure. I'm going to be honest with you. I questioned it. It's like, what is happening? And I know none of you did in this room because you're so much holier than me. But the reality is, is I was crying out to the Lord. Well, Lord, what are you doing? What's happening? What's going to happen with our church? What's going to happen with our people? What's going to happen with me? Am I going to be able to provide for my... Did you know that we all made it out okay? God is still in control. That even in the pain and the anguish and the hurt, that God still turns around all things for good. This is a true belief system in God. This is next level Christianity. If we don't get to this level, we'll be a basic baby Christian eating baby food. And if we want to get to a level to see signs and wonders and miracles, to experience the glory of God, we have to trust God in all circumstances. No matter what's coming against you, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a Christ person. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. There is a supernatural. I said there's a natural evil, there's a moral evil, and there's a supernatural evil. One third of the created heavenly beings rebelled, and their assignment now from Satan himself is to kill, steal, and destroy from you. So if you want to direct any of your anger towards anything, it's the gates of hell. But then Jesus also said the gates of hell will not prevail. So the reality is you have victory over the things that are coming against you. The only way they can hurt you is if you allow them to persist in your life. They are squatting on the territory that God has given you. Oh, I'm preaching now because I can feel my heart rate going up. I'm going to take another blood pressure medicine. Ephesians 2.2 says this. Satan has been given temporary power to rule and reign. But here's the deal. Even though God is holy and God cannot do evil and do or do evil things and God allows evil to exist, he lives in us and he's given you the power and the victory over evil. So I think we're all in agreement, right? I, I hear enough amen see, seeing her heads shaking and things like this, but the reality is we still don't believe it. Why? Because we don't know how to rest. There's something in your life that if the devil were to turn it up, you'd be all discombobulated. Somebody say, it's not my finances, man. I trust the Lord. Then maybe it's your health. It's not my health, man. I know God. I take vitamins. I'm good. You know, whatever that is, then maybe it's your spouse. Don't, don't mess with my kids. Don't, maybe it's your mind. See, we, we, we think that all of these things that we can kind of gird up the doors, but the enemy studied humanity for centuries. He knows, if it ain't working here, I'm going to get you here. And here's the good news. I'm continuing to grow, and so the things that he used to get me before don't get me now, but he knows. He's still looking. He's still going to try it. But the reality is, is I have to learn to rest because there's something about the rest element. See, the songwriter knew it. He, he put it in there. He said, let's sing this song, and God sings back, rest, be still, and know that I am God. Why don't we rest? Number one, write this down. There are too many distractions. Oh man, what is the distraction in your life? Don't look at me and say, man, I'm good. You know, I'm above it all, man. I I don't, I don't, I don't got any social media account. Okay. Good for you. (laughs) Some of you, man, 
you get in, you get into this world of conspiracies and dig deep and some of them may be true. All right. I love a good conspiracy, but the reality is some of you get so deep into it. That's your distraction. You start thinking, not trusting people. Some of you, the distractions are actually hear me ready. You want to hear this? It's your kids. It's your family. Pastor Mark, aren't we supposed, no, no, no. I'm talking about like not putting them in the right position of, of priority in your life. See, even good things can be distractions. Here's a good distraction. You've prayed for this thing. You had the whole church surround and pray for you. I've seen people, we prayed for their, we're going to get land. God, give us land. Pray for land. Oh, God, get land, never see them again. Why? Because now they're busy with the land. Distraction. The very thing you prayed for. Oh, I could preach on that. I've seen so many times people do that. Pray for a spouse. All of a sudden, they're gone. Why? Because the spouse didn't want to go to church. Pick the wrong spouse. Trying to get something and forget something. Oh, now that's it. But here's another theological take on be still and know. I did some digging. And some theologians believe that, not only, not, that God wasn't necessarily speaking to his people, but he was actually speaking to the enemies of his people. I like this because either way, I love it. He's not speaking, hey, Scott, be still and know, but he's speaking to Scott's enemies. Be still and know that I'm God over him. He's with me. So however you want to interpret scripture here, it's good for you. Be still and know, Brandon, that I got you. But also all those naysayers around Brandon Worse and the Worse family, I got them. So you guys all be still, chill out, and relax because I am God and I'm sovereign over him. Too many distractions. Stop striving and recognize that I am God. Number two, why don't we rest? Because many times it's a sign of weakness and failure. Now, man, this, this probably hits you because it hit me. I feel like I got to do things for the Lord, right? Like, I'm going to do this for God. Like, literally, he's up in heaven and go, yeah, you <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, you do that. I'm trying to work for God. Like, if, if, I, if I tithe, he's going to provide for me. If I worship, he'll love me more. If I, if I do this, if I, and, and what, what God is saying in this scripture is be still. I love you when you don't do anything. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me. Come into my presence. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you more work to do. That's what we think he says, right? Right? Come to me, and I'm going to make your life really busy. No, it says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm going to teach you how to balance the life you live. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your soul. Do you know what your soul is? Your mind, your will, and emotion. This is the part that keeps you awake at night. This is the part that stresses you out with hives. Blood pressure rushes. It's your mind, your will, and emotion. He says, I will bring rest to those parts as well. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying that there is a burden. There is a yoke. There is something you're going to carry. But when you do carry my burden, my yoke, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. Exodus 33. God is speaking to Moses. That's a great encounter. You need to read that. Exodus 33. 
Moses and God are having a little encounter, you know what I mean? And Moses is telling God, like, I, I, I'm going to do all this because you're telling me to do this, but I ain't doing this if you don't come with me. It's a good response. This is what God says. My presence will go with you. And then he partners it and says, and I will give you rest. Why would you say, I, I would have said, and I will give you supernatural signs. My presence will go with you, and I'll provide all the funding you need for this excursion. My presence will get, go with you, and I'll get rid of all the bad apples in the bunch. No, he says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you the ability to rest in the process of the calling on your life. Because Moses didn't truly understand what was headed before him. I will give you rest. How many bad decisions would we have avoided if we would have rested in God? How many marriages could we have saved if people would just rest in God? How many children could we have put on the right track if they just would have rested in God and not performed, tried to get that education that they never even do now today? Number three, why don't we rest is the performance must go on. I got to keep up this appearance. It's exhausting to try to be something you're not. You know that there are method actors in Hollywood. They get so immersed in their, their part that they lose themselves. Heath Ledger was one of them. I mean, he was like the most, I, I don't even know how to explain the Joker he played and shortly after committed suicide. Why? He got so deep into his performance that he actually believed it. For some of you in this room, you're so deep into the lies and the webs that you formed that you actually believe the lies that you spew. But when you rest in God, there's no performance. I don't got to be a better pastor. This is who I am. Now God's going to work on me. I want to be a better wife. I, well, no, I want to be a, You can be whatever you want. No, 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 no. You got to be a man if you're a man and a husband. All right. That's a, <laughs> I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. This is about where my wife sits. Some of you are like, is he not married? Oh, she's going to sit there next service. But if I have to strive, if I get in God's presence, do you know what? I will naturally love my wife better. I will naturally be a better dad. If I get in the presence of God and I rest in his presence and he begins to tell me this, because I want you to know this. This is what performance, you could put this up here. We strive for things we were never intended to own. We create a persona we were never meant to maintain and we long for a life that will never fulfill. So we're that little animal in that wheel the hamster. We're running our little hearts out, performing for God. I want people to know I love Jesus. I got that bumper sticker, and they're going to know, even though I cut them off and said I love Jesus, now I got to keep going. And, 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 and God's like, stop striving. Stop performing. You're not weak, and you're not a failure when you rest in me. You're actually, listen, if Jesus, who was the most profound person on the planet, would go and rest on a boat in the middle of a storm, and they had to wake him up, drool coming out of his mouth, I was in deep sleep, what's the problem? We're going to die. Jesus is like, no, we ain't. Peace be still. Now, I'm going back to bed. Don't bother me. That's how I like to picture them. That's how much peace he walked in. Why? Because he walked in a supernatural rest that was Tapped into his father. Last one, last one. Worship team's here. We're going to lead you somewhere. We've got plenty of time. I, I built this into the service. The last reason why we don't rest, and this is real, is we truly don't trust God. Because if we trusted God, we would rest in who he is. If you don't know the promises of God, read the Bible. 
Do you know that some of you actually have your act together better than some of the people in the Bible? You have more theological understanding than Moses, than Abraham, than David. You have the finished product. You have Jesus. You have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Yet we walk around defeated because we're not tapped into the rest. God is in control. That's why this song ends on a stanza. That means it's a repetition. It was repeated in verse 7 and it's repeated in verse 11 because the psalmist, the writer of the song wanted you to know this is the hook. This is the part you keep singing. And it's this. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Some of you need to walk around your house. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I know this about my kids, man. They don't like when we're not home. They get all bent out. We were out Friday night ministering, talking to one, one of the families, and, and, and we kept getting tech. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? And then we get home, and, and they're not even around. They're in their rooms. They just want to know that dad is home. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like your kids get all bent out of shape, you're not home, but then when you're home, they're in the room. And I'm like, well, what's going on? They're like, we just need to know you're here. When you're here, the house is secure. The other night, my wife woke me up in the middle of sleep. Something fell, something broke, and I was like, oh, God, God, God. You know, you're walking down the stairs, you're trying not to fall, and then I find out it was something in the shower that she installed. It fell over. I was walking around the house looking for things. The reality is she knew that her husband was there in the house. The Lord of hosts is with you. Dad is in the house. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The home is secure. Come on now. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.